0: Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. So I have been a pastor for 10 years and i have never once spoken on the practice of tithing and so to finish up our little mini series on generosity that we've been doing i want to share um a little talk around tithing i did this on sunday the podcast unfortunately didn't record and 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 work so i'm here in my home office uh recording direct to you lovely podcast listeners um so the tithe the tithe is a biblical concept that you would give 10% of your income, tithe just means 10th, and you would give that and dedicate that to God and through church tradition and history that has been generally given to the church. Now, tithing is a really complex issue for me for for a number of reasons. Number one, it's a a practice that I have personally practiced my entire adult life, so it's very ingrained in in who I am. Um, so that's that's the first thing. The second thing is I'm, I'm deeply committed to the flourishing of the local church. I want to see the church be the best, most innovative, beautiful, th- thriving, vibrant place. And in order for that to be true, the church needs resource. And so that's sort of wrapped up in tithing and giving. Um, the third reason, and this is probably the most complex one for me, is that i get my living off the church i i draw a salary from greenhouse church and that requires people giving um and that is a pretty complex thing you know to to talk about as a pastor and the fourth reason is that i've honestly had some theological hesitations around tithing around the practice of tithing i've had questions around should we be practicing this as as a church in 2022 and so it's been difficult for me to kind of pass out those different parts of myself, you know, my, my personal interests and my salary, um, you know, my my interest in the church doing well, um, you know, passing out what the Bible actually says, and just thinking about how how helpful and how um, practical the practice of tithing has been for Mel and I. So it's taken a while to unfurl those things. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I got forced to write this message because it really forced me to tease those things out and you know when i come to think about tithing i've come to think that there are three good reasons for me why you wouldn't tithe there's probably more reasons Um, but for me these are the 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 key reasons why i had an issue with tithing Um, and as i've sort of been delving into this issue I've come up with three answers, three rebuttals to those questions. And so we're going to look at those three questions and then I'm going to give you at the end six rapid fire reasons why I think you should tithe. So the three reasons not to tithe. Number one is that the New Testament doesn't really talk about tithing that much. And so we're going to explore that. The second reason is that the church has been corrupt and has often misused people's money. And and our money is tied up with spiritual abuse and all sorts of stuff. And the third reason is maybe you're down with giving and tithing, but you have a question around like, why should I give my tithe to a church? You know, when it's going to pay staff and buildings and insurances and overheads and ministry costs and all that sort of stuff. Why don't I just give my money to, um, another, another cause. So reason number one, uh, the, the new Testament doesn't really teach that much on tithing. Now, in order to sort of lay this out, I'm going to give you a quick biblical theology, a quick biblical overview. Um, and tithing is mentioned a bunch in the Old Testament. And so we're just going to pick a few of those references. And then we're going to look at all the verses that talk about tithing in the New Testament. The first uh, mention of tithing is in Genesis 14. And Abraham, who is kind of the father of Israel, uh, comes across this dude called Melchizedek, who is called uh, the King of Salem, which is, turns out to be the King of Jerusalem. He wasn't a, a Jew. He wasn't part of Israel. This before Israel existed. And the passage, interestingly, calls him a priest of the Most High. Now, we don't know why that is. Like, there's no Levitical system set up yet. And so it's a pretty random story. Um, but Abraham decides to give a tenth of everything he has to this priest of the God Most High. Um, we see Melchizedek pop up again in Psalm 110 and then Hebrews 7 talks about Melchizedek as well. But he's a pretty mysterious figure, pretty strange story. But this is the first mention of the tithe. And we see that the tithe is linked in some way to the priest of the Most High. The second mention of tithing is is abraham's grandson jacob so abraham gave birth to isaac who gave birth to jacob and jacob in genesis 28 is has this kind of encounter with god where he sees this vision of uh, a stairway between heaven and earth this connection point between heaven and earth and he, he feels like god tells him that he's going to make him a great nation a numerous nation he's going to send out descendants east and west and north and south and jacob is just so grateful He renames this place Bethel, which means the house of God. And he commits to give a tenth of all he has to God out of this sense of gratefulness. And so this is the second mention of the tithe. And we see that the tithe is linked to this idea of the house of God. That a tithe is dedicated to um, God in kind of gratefulness. But it's around this kind of temple connection point between heaven and earth. And then we see the concept of tithing ramps right up into, you know, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, which is all kind of these laws that are laid out. Um, Leviticus 27 says that uh, a tenth of the produce of the land, uh, this is verse 30 and 33, uh, whether vegetables, grain or fruit or flock belongs to the Lord. So here we have the concept of the tithe belonging to God. Um, and in fact, in Levitical law, there were, there were actually three tithes. And this is linked to those two stories in Genesis. The first tithe was given to the priest, to the Levites. Um, and they were the kind of um, priestly class that lived off what the, uh, the rest of the tribes brought. Um, they were kind of served the community in, in mediating the presence of God. The second tithe, the second tenth of your income was given to the temple. And it was about running the temple. This was like this, the community space, the worship space, these kind of all these rhythms and feasts and rituals that uh, Israel centered themselves around. And then there was a third tithe, which was given to the poor. So it was kind of ended up to be like 30% or, you know, actually more like 27% if you kind of be exact. Um, but three separate tithes, one to the priests, one to... Uh, the temple and one to supporting those in need. This is kind of like a taxation system in, in ancient Israel. We've got to remember that these, these laws are laying out how this, this sort of people of God, this country is going to operate. They'd come out of slavery. They didn't know how to be a people. And all of this is just helping them to live out what God's called them to be. It goes on, Deuteronomy 12 and 26 kind of provide the kind of overall direction and motivation for tithing, instructing the Israelites to bring their tithes as a sacrifice in gratitude to God for his provision. So tithe is about gratitude towards God for his provision. Um, Nehemiah chapter 10 and 12, uh, the Israel had been taken into exile and they were coming back to rebuild their city, Jerusalem, which had been in ruins because they'd been overrun and overtaken by Babylon. They reinstated the tie. There's a central part of reinstating Israel again, helping rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And then right at the end of the old Testament, um, two minor prophets, Amos and Malachi, uh, speak out and warn against misusing the tithe, particularly to uh, the priests who um, it's, it's a warning against not taking more than you should and using those resources well. So, that's kind of the snapshot of the Old Testament. So, we see tithing is for supporting priests and leaders. Tithing is supporting the temple and the life of the community. Um, tithing is a portion of your income that belongs to God. Um, we see that a separate tithe is given to the to those in need. So it's like you you tithe over and above to the poor. Um, the tithe is a sign of God's provision and it's a sign of sacrifice and thankfulness towards God and it's not to be abused or misused by the temple or the priests. So then we get to the New Testament. And tithing is really only mentioned three times. The first, uh, num- one of them is in Hebrews 7, which is talking about that Melchizedek story with Abraham and Melchizedek, sort of bringing meaning to that. The other two times the tithe is mentioned is two stories of the same encounter that Jesus had. One in Matthew and one in Luke. And um, Jesus is having this kind of tussle with the Pharisees, which are the, the priests, the leaders of the time. And he says this to them in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. He says, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so what we have here is Jesus laying out this like, Assault against the Pharisees, saying, "You're so careful to tie even, you know, that a clip of oregano from your kitchen table, um, but you're ignoring justice. You should tie, yes, but it's, there's, there are more important things to put your heart towards as well." He's warning against them, kind of doing the right thing on the outside, but it not being aligned with love of God and love of neighbor. And so this is really the only time that we have in the New Testament um, that talks about the tithe. That's a pretty shaky ground, honestly, to to kind of build theology off. It's one instance of Jesus saying, you should tithe, yes. But it's in the context of Jesus railing against the Pharisees. Um, Paul doesn't teach on tithing. But what we do have in an overwhelming sense in the New Testament is not so much teaching on tithing, but definitely teaching on generosity. And Acts chapter two and chapter four, it's like the, the, the first church was planted after the resurrection of Jesus. And it tells us that the believers shared everything they had in common. Acts chapter five, we, we see that people began to sell their properties and give to this kind of new church plant. Um, and there's this famous story of Ananias and Sapphira who sold their property and brought it to the apostles, but they only gave like some of money that they sold but they told the apostles that they gave all of the money and um god kills them right then and there and they drop dead which is an insane story um but again similar to jesus attacking the pharisees it's um this commitment that generosity tithing is not just about this kind of performative thing it's not about gaining favor They wanted to look like they were doing the right thing. They wanted to look like they were generous without actually being generous. It's about your whole heart posture. It's about living a life of generosity. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says that those that preach the gospel should be supported by those who benefit from it. Paul and his companions go around collecting money from the church plants to bring back to Jerusalem. Um, Jesus talks about generosity and money a whole bunch. So what do we get from that conclusion, that kind of biblical survey? Well, I think that the Levitical law around, you know, all those different types of tithes don't actually apply to us. Of course, we can draw wisdom from them. Of course, we um, should learn from them, but we are not bound by them. We don't live in the country of Israel. We're not Jews. Um, But the general concept of tithing does actually predate Israel goes back to Abraham and it goes back to uh, Jacob. And so there is this concept through all of scripture around this idea of tithing. That, you know, everything that I have comes from God and there should be some sort of practice in my life that identifies that and helps index my heart towards him. Um, The one thing that we do have from Jesus about the tithe is saying that you should tithe. So he does affirm this concept. Of tithing, this practice of tithing. Um, But really, the overwhelming majority of the New Testament uh, really calls us to something greater than tithing, greater than giving 10% of our income away, but just this whole life of radical generosity. The New Testament expects much more of us than just 10% of our income. So, where do we land with that? I think um, it's really important that if we want to be consistently generous as people, that we actually have to be systematically generous. It's all well and good to say I want to be a generous person, but our our bank bank accounts and the way that we structure our finances actually have to reflect that. And I think 10% is actually a pretty brilliant number in terms of just index indexing your heart towards Jesus because it's 90% is more than enough to live on. Um, but 10% is enough to hurt, enough to say, actually, that, that, that's a fair bit of money that's going out of my bank account every week or fortnight or whatever it is, as a dedication to God to say, actually, Jesus, everything that I have, Father, everything that I have is from you. And I want to remind myself in my bank account, in my bank statements every single week that this is yours. This belongs to you. Now, it's important to note here that just like any practice, the practice of tithing is a practice and not a performance. A practice is a means to an end. A performance is a means in itself. So this is not a, a performance of getting God's favor. Tithing your money does not make God love you more. It's not a practice of getting the favor of other people. Tithing will not make other people love you more. Um, In, in, in most cases, it's a, it's a secret uh, practice. But it is a practice. It's a means to an end. It is helping us, shaping us into the image of Jesus, helping us to live out the way of Jesus. So that's the first reason you wouldn't tithe is because it doesn't talk about it much in the New Testament. But I think that after working through that myself, I think that is pretty clear that there is a call from Jesus to live radically generous lives. Um, and tithing, I think, is a good practice in that. We see that all through church history. Um, Number two, the reason, the number two reason that you might not want to tithe is because the church has had a history of corruption. Um, The Catholic Church in kind of the 1500s did this real dodgy thing where they started selling what they called indulgences, and you could go to the Catholic Church down the street, and you could buy an indulgence, which would reduce your time in purgatory. Now, purgatory is this Catholic idea of the space between when you die and when you kind of get to heaven. And the whole idea is that, you know, when I die, I'm still uh, selfish, uh, but selfishness has no place in the kingdom of heaven. And so that they'll think about that idea and think, man, there's, there's no way that I can just like automatically change overnight. I'll, I'll be a whole new person. But purgatory is the process of like purgation purging you of your sins the parts of you that actually don't have a place in heaven so anyway you could go and you could buy an indulgence which would reduce your time in purgatory or reduce the time of a loved one in purgatory which um that is a pretty pretty uh rotten practice i think and uh pretty spiritually abusive which is you know one of the main reasons that triggered the reformation which happened in the 1500s with martin luther and calvin and the likes Um, Maybe closer to home or or in more modern history, you might have heard the prosperity gospel, which is basically preachers, ministers saying that if you give to my ministry, if you give to our church, then you will receive back financial blessing or you will receive back healing or you will receive back a private jet or whatever it is. Um, And that is just straight up unbiblical. Unbiblical. Uh, there is nowhere in 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 scripture that teaches that if I give God ten dollars, He will give me a hundred back. That's just not the way it works. There is principles of sowing and reaping, but it's it's not one for one like that. And um, honestly, that has caused a fair bit of spiritual harm and abuse in the lives of people throughout modern history. Um, so my answer to this, you know, a, a good reason not to tie is because the church has had corruption in it. Um, My answer to this is if you are going to tithe to a church, you are going to want to be pretty sure that you trust the church, you trust the leadership, you trust that there's good governance in place, you trust that there is transparency, um, good decision-making processes. That's why we're doing things like the Green Room, which is coming up um, very soon, because we want to actually just continually be open and transparent about the way that we are spending our money and making decisions. Reason number three. Um, and this is, for me, one of the most compelling ones, that you know, maybe you're down with being generous, maybe you're even down with giving away 10% of your income, um, but you might think, why would I give to a church which has uh, staff, buildings, insurance costs, ministry costs, all sorts of stuff, when i could just give that money directly to someone in need i could give it to you know a charity i could give it to shoebox revolution or compassion or salvation army or whatever it is um and i've got a few responses to that number one any charity that you give to also has overheads to pay for they also have staff they also have buildings they also have insurances to pay so there's one thing um In the Bible, and particularly in the Old Testament, the tithe is dedicated to God, not actually dedicated to those in need. Now, the church obviously should help those in need. um, But first and foremost, that 10% is dedicated towards God, right? So that's an important thing to know, that it's not just money to give away to those in need necessarily. Um, the, The second response I have to that is, what actually is the best way to help someone in need? I could give our tithe of whatever it is 100 or 150 dollars a week to someone in our neighborhood in need and that would drastically change their life um and it's a worthwhile thing to think about um but there are big problems to be solved in the world big societal systemic problems in our world slavery um hunger inequality uh Access to education, isolation, people's sense of purpose and meaning in life. There are big issues that people are facing in our world. And we should always help the person in front of us. Absolutely. But if we are to continue to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, it actually requires change on a structural societal level. And the way that you change structures and societies is actually by changing people. And the way you change people is through community, it's through the practices, it's through becoming more like Jesus. And so in order to change those things, the best thing we can do is to have more people, more like Jesus. I love that idea that actually that's what the church is here to do. We're we're here to help one another follow the way of Jesus into the restoration of our neighborhoods. The best way for me to change my world is to continue to follow and form my soul in the way of Jesus. Money is not the only thing that people need. There's that story of Peter and John where they're walking into the temple and there's a beggar and he's asking for money. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And he is healed. That people need healing and community just as much, if not more, than they do money. The other response I would have to that question around, you know, just giving my money to the to a charity instead or whatever it is, is that we actually get to be gospel patrons, funders of the kingdom of God. John Reinhardt says, anything great that breaks out in the world has a funder behind it. Any great Company, any great movement, any great church, any great kingdom movement has a funder or funders behind it. Even Jesus, when he walked around, he had these funders, this, this crew of um, wealthy women we see in Luke chapter 8 that funded his ministry. He was God on earth. He didn't need money, but he still had backers and financial funders. We are part of this generations long movement of God that has done more to shape. The history of the world more to do more that uh, has that shaped more social good than any other company, empire, movement, country, charity in the world. Because it's out of Christianity that the idea of racial equality has come. It's out of Christianity that the idea of gender equality has come. If you look back over the history books, it actually comes back from the way of Jesus. It comes back to the Judeo-Christian ethics. The first hospitals ever created in the world were started by the church. Foster care and adoption was started by the church in the Roman Empire when people would put their babies out to die because they didn't want them. They didn't want a girl or they didn't want that certain child. Um, giving to the poor is a Christian, a Judeo-Christian idea that we would help the far, the lost, the stranger, the alien to us. Um, education for all was actually really led by the church. These early churches in the first century were little learning communities where even women who couldn't get educated, even slaves who didn't get educated could come in and learn the way of Jesus. They were like the first schools open for all. It was the church that's led abolition for slavery. It's the church that started overseas aid and mission. That's invented by the church. The church through history, has been the vehicle of more social change than any other institution, government, or movement. And the best way to invest your money is to invest it into kingdom things. The church has outlasted the best companies, the greatest of institutions, the mightiest of empires, and it will continue to last, outlast any company, country whatever it is jesus said in matthew 6 that you seek first the kingdom of god put your treasure where it where moths won't destroy it invest into the kingdom of god so there's three good reasons not to tithe but i just want to rapid fire off six reasons why you should think about tithing now you shouldn't take my word from it this is something you should consider yourself And, um, you know, don't let other people tell you what to do with your money. But I think this is an invitation, a practice to be invited to, a practice to index our heart towards the way of Jesus. So six reasons. Number one, the Old Testament initiated it. Number two, Jesus endorsed it. Number three, history and tradition have lived it out. Number four. It's an act of gratitude and worship towards God to say everything I have has come from God. And so this is an act of saying, thank you for that. I recognize that you are in control, God. Uh, Number five, it's a practice of saying money is not in control of my life. That I hold my money, it doesn't hold me. And so that weekly giving away of money is a way of indexing my heart away from the pool of money running my life. And number six, that we get to be gospel patrons. It's an investment into the kingdom of God, all that he has yet to do um, in a, in a, in a large-scale, insane way and in a practical way in our church that you get to invest into all the lives that will continue to be changed, all that our church is yet to become in 5, 10, 15, 50 years, that we actually get to do this together, to pool our resource and to invest into the kingdom of God. So I actually, through all of this and through doing this talk, have come to the point where I really do believe there is power in the practice of tithing. Now, it's simply that it's a practice. It's a means to an end. But it's worthwhile considering what means to an end is God inviting you into. And maybe you're thinking, man, 10%, that's just so much right now. Well, what can you start with? Maybe it's 1% or 2% or 5%. But what practice can you instate that helps you continue to index your heart to the way of Jesus?